Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today is on a mission. He, with his team, partners, members and executive committee, is on a mission to take Switzerland on a journey to become the leading digital hub of innovation in Europe and possibly the world. In partnership with Villans and Handel Zeitung, his organisation was involved in the quest to identify and celebrate Switzerland's 100 digital shapers who are advancing them on this mission. He was a Swiss business angel for the year 2018, twice featured in Villans' Who's Who 2018 and 2019, and he's been the co-founder of a number of startups. My guest in this episode of Headstalk lives, eats and breathes digital. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Nicholas Brewer is the Managing Director of Digital Switzerland and is a household name in the Swiss startup scene. He's a serial entrepreneur with a number of board member positions. Prior to his current role, Nicholas has held a number of directorship roles and is a known investor in startup organisations. He has been described as an astute strategic thinker and an innate talent for showcasing, helping to grow and educating people on digitalization and Swiss ecosystem. He's very much hands-on, a doer, and knows how to apply the right amount of pressure to get things done. Trained and educated in the science of physics, he brings his knowledge, passion and expertise into his current line of work. This is the Nicholas who you'll meet today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nicholas to this episode of Heads Talk. Nicholas, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Elaine, and very glad to be here. Um, I'm going to get straight into the questions and we can take it from there. Um, I think to start off with, it would be quite good for my listeners to have a brief introduction to digital Switzerland. Though a substantial amount of my listeners are based in Switzerland, many of them are elsewhere in various countries around the globe. So please tell them about Digital Switzerland. What is it all about? What is it doing? With whom? Where does the Crypto Valley fit into all of this? And an, an interesting development as well. Who have you recently merged with and why? Sure. Thank you for the question, Elaine. Digital Switzerland is a non-profit association. We're a movement. Mm-hmm. We don't represent anyone except Switzerland. We believe we need to think transfer cell, we need to think cross-industry, we are all concerned about the current revolution, the digital revolution, and we want to position Switzerland as one of the main hub for digital and innovation worldwide. Mm-hmm. We have different projects uh, in, the, in the area of the political framework, we want to involve the population, uh, we want to um, strengthen our transfer cell collaboration, we, of course, want to support the startup ecosystem. We want the education to be better prepared uh, for the young people and for everyone else. So uh, like, like the motto, lifelong learning. So we do many projects. Mm-hmm. We have 220 uh, member organization. As you said, we just merged mm-hmm. with uh, ICT Switzerland. The main uh, mission behind it is joint forces. Right. <laughs> we had some 
some topics we were like a bit overlapping and there are too many um, initiatives and associations and federation in such a small country and we believe by joining forces we will be stronger together to reach our common uh, mission we are not directly related to the crypto valley by the way what they've done in the last years is amazing um, it's extremely good uh, we, we think very Swiss-wide, they are very focused in central Switzerland, in Zug, in a bit of Geneva, yeah. and now Zurich, it doesn't matter. They have one industry, which is the decentralized, the blockchain industry. We support as much as possible what we are doing. Uh, we are more on a transversal, cross-industry, digital uh, focus, if I may say, like that. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's comprehensive enough for my, my listeners. And I would put a link to Digital Switzerland if they want to find out more about your organization and what you do, or even just more about you. Um, I'll move on. Um, I was once told the most valuable resource in Switzerland is its people. Your mission is to make Switzerland a leading digital hub of innovation, as mentioned in the introduction. The big players in the markets are the US and China, Singapore even. No surprises there. They have and are dominating this space. Any competitors, um, they'll be watching and eventually buy them out. They have so much clout, market share, influence. Um, I know a lot of companies, US companies come here to Switzerland, e.g. Um, Google. Google has uh, developed, I think this is the biggest um, development hub here outside of the US. There's Disney and there's a Disney lab is here as well. What's happening to ensure Switzerland remains a player in this space and equally competitive. Are countries, um, companies attracted to the ecosystem here? Is Switzerland moving away from creating the companies here, more about providing the ecosystem to attract the big players? What say you, Nicholas? You know, we only have three things in Switzerland. We have the mountains, uh -huh. we have our infrastructure, which is very modern and robust, and we have our brains, that's it. Yeah. We don't have anything else. So we rather invest a lot in the talents. So that's all we can do yeah. Yeah. in order to survive or even lead the innovation race, which is happening worldwide. And we do it in different ways. We invest a lot, a lot in, in the talents in education. It's all about education. The young people, the university level, the University of Applied Sciences, and then the lifelong learning. So never stop learning is really a key mentor for digital Switzerland and it should be for everyone in the country. Never stop learning when you're 30, 40, 50. You know, 20% of the jobs will disappear in the next mm. 10 to 15 years, which is 1 million jobs in Switzerland. They will be replaced by 1 million new jobs, which will require new profiles. So everyone will have to learn. That's all we can do and all we should do or we want to do even better. So, and now regarding corporates and talents, of course, like every other hub in the world, we are competing mm -hmm. and we want to have good political conditions in order to attract companies like Google, like the Disney lab, Oracle is having a very mm -hmm. big lab in Switzerland, the biggest outside of Silicon Valley. Uh, so that's all we can do is attract foreign companies coming to the country on one side, on the other side, we want the SME and the corporates to sustain and to grow and to be um, very successful. And the last one, we want to have a very uh, vibrant and dynamic startup ecosystem. Startups, mm -hmm. the, the next corporates, as we all know, 
they won't stay small. Some of them should be very big. Yes. Currently, if you look at Europe, we are not good yet. We are not good enough. In the US and in China, they are much better able to grow small startup to huge blue chips. And I think this is something, and it's not about Switzerland, more about Europe. This is something we urgently have to improve in the next decade um, to transform startups into blue chips. So that's all we are all doing here in Switzerland and uh, with Digital Switzerland, of course. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you talk about not just Switzerland, but Europe-wide. So, so my, my next point, I think, will allow you to expand on what you're talking about in that space. Um, I, I can't begin to do to describe how this pandemic has affected and in some parts decimated the events industry. Digital Switzerland has quite a few events throughout any given year. You've recently had the Swiss Digital Day event. That's one of your annual events. Am I right in saying that it's both a physical and a virtual event? Um, there was a big announcement, I believe, which I'm sure you will elaborate on that. In summary, how was it? Um, what has COVID changed about it? What's the big news in this space? And what were the digital um, festival 2021 look like? So it was a big change for, for us at the same time um, this pandemic. Yes. We, we were very, actually we were very analog somewhere, you know, uh, mm -hmm. organizing physical events because networking is still important for everyone on the business side, but also with the population, the digital days of the last three years were extremely, um, let's say, analog. Mm -hmm. And we had to change everything. So everything went upside down in 2020. What happened? Many business events outside of the Swiss Digital Days were just cancelled. Mm -hmm. And bringing the C-level, you know, the top, top people on webinars is quite complicated. So on the C-level, on, on the business side, 2020 was not an easy year. On the Swiss Digital Days, which is mainly focused on the Swiss population, we did it to transform the event from one day to three days. And we brought 400 uh, different smaller events, uh, pretty much 98% on, on, on the online side. So everything went online because it happened just this week. And since we have a, a strong second wave all over Europe, mm. we had no choice to organize except to organize everything online. Uh, what was the consequence? We had a very good traffic, 80,000 people. We are very satisfied. Um, partners, corporates were very happy. The Swiss population too. There is one bias, if I may say. Mm -hmm. You attract people online which are already a bit interested about the topic. You know, when you do a Swiss Digital Days and you want to inform and dialogue with the Swiss population, you also want to dialogue with uh, skeptical ones with the one who don't like mm. digital, who don't like 5Gs, or who don't like all these new technologies, the bad robots taking the jobs, etc. Mm -hmm. And on the online side, we are extremely satisfied with the results, really above expectations. There is one point we have to take into account, the very skeptical ones, you know, maybe not living in the cities, but outside. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they went online, you know? Mm -hmm. So the future is hybrid. The future yeah. is hybrid and let's hope 2021 will enable us to go really hybrid. Having an online presence, I believe too, uh, without online presence in the future, it's, it's like not an option, mm -hmm. but we also want to go physical. We also want to go analog because there we may really have a dialogue with skeptical people. Mm -hmm. 
And, and after all, we are humans, we are social creatures, we need to sort of physically get together. But I, I like the idea of the, the hybrid because of the reach and the numbers you can actually tap into um, with that. Um, let's look at the, the flip side of the pandemic effects. Um, we've just talked about the negative impacts in the events industry, but also it has brought about positive changes. What about opportunities that have come out of it, other than what we've just talked about? I came across an article you wrote in December 2019, Swiss government's digital action plan, where you spoke with the then director general of Ofcom, Philip Metzger, um, all of this before the pandemic that ensued. While reading it, I got a sense of the, the urgency and the need to educate people, organizations and institutions on digital transformation. The other side was the concerns by various bodies about the use of their data and the ability to self-determine who and what had their data. Um, you state, remember this is 2019, you state in the article, we must therefore constantly foster dialogue to increase awareness for all that is and will become digital. I could go on, but in essence, COVID-19 has expedited a lot of this. There's a lot of hindrance or a lot of delays due to uh, legislations, regulations or uh, and organizations such as business association, trade unions and companies and consumer protection organization um, that were required to come on board before the next steps toward digital transformation. So has the pandemic, this is my question to you, Nicholas, has the pandemic been beneficial for you in this digital space? Has it expedited a lot of things that probably would have taken years to implement or even get off the ground? No question about that. The, the pandemic, uh, except everything said about it, was a booster for digital and innovation worldwide. Wow. Now, it's really about, as always, it's maybe said, but there will be winners and losers. Mm. And I'm not only speaking about people, I'm speaking about hope. So Switzerland is a tiny country, we, we want hope. And if you want to be a winner, we believe, one, you really need to foster innovation, to force corporates, startups to pivot, mm. to think this new world. That's the first one. The second one, you really need to make sure we invest enough, I repeat myself because it's so important to invest enough in educating people, young people, we need many more young people going to STEM, um, that's the future, you know, learning, coding, uh, mm -hmm. physics, mathematics, etc. And, and also educating the workforce, so the 30 plus, it's really, really important because the, what I told you before, the 20% of the jobs disappearing, it might, it might happen in the next 10 years instead of the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it's half a generation. So everyone is involved. We all really need to educate ourselves and have in mind the job I will do in, do in 10 years is another one than the one I do today. That's a mindset. Uh, that's all about the spirit of the people. That's really the second point is educating all of the entire population. And the third one may be related to the second one is having a, a dialogue, he's having an engagement with the population. What you don't want is to have a small elite, you know, of innovative people, entrepreneurs and making money. And then you have a large part of the population suffering, losing their jobs, mm -hmm. because then you have a revolution. So we don't want that. That's the three points we really want to enforce in the next couple of years. Right. So, so uh, I suppose we agree that while it is the case that the pandemic has expedited digitalization across the board, 
we cannot say the, the same for something that came about as a result of the pandemic, the contact tracing app. Um, I, I want to ask you about this. Um, it's a contentious topic. I see commentary all over social media, um, people reluctance to embrace this app and the reluctance to download it. Organizations quick to get their digital app together, as you just talked about beforehand, but individuals not so quick to get this app. What do you think should be done to reassure some, not all, that the app is safe, it's beneficial, and it could expedite and help put an end to this pandemic? How do you gain individuals' confidence, especially with, with what looks like um, organized, organized opposition or the use of, all the way down to accusations of infringement of liberties? You know the phrase, if it is free, then you are the product. Nicholas, what do you say to all of this? What can you do in digital Switzerland to get the message across about the use of this app, the need for this app. Yeah, it's a very good point. And by the way, it's not a Swiss issue, it's a European, if not worldwide issue. Huh? Mm -hmm. There are different, different points. Some people still don't want to use the contact tracing app um, because of data protection. And I believe it's a mistake in the, in the communication because in almost every country, the app is built on a decentralized structure. So the, the data are just stored and, and the app on the mobile of every person will be deleted after two weeks. It's, it has never had such a, a good infrastructure ever. So it's a pity if some people still think there is a kind of big brother watching you. Yes. Still something we have to work on the communication. The second point I believe um, and it's, it's, a, it's a sad one maybe, but it's all about solidarity. Some people don't want the app because they believe um, I might be punished, you know, if I was just next to, the, to someone who's got infected and all of those around me who didn't have the app, they won't, need to, they won't have to go in quarantine. So there is a solidarity issue uh, behind and the structure of the app, which I believe is affecting lots of people. Uh, we were all very solidary in the first phase, in the first wave. We had to. Right now, in the second one, is a bit different. Um, and I believe there is a lot of people not using it or deactivating the app just because they don't want to go in quarantine. Maybe due to the jobs, we have to respect this one, mm -hmm. of course. In any case, it needs, and it, it's showing a bit the, the fear um, of everyone with, uh, with the use, usage of data, with the usage of location-based app, which they have not used. You know, they are, when they use uh, Uber or whatever, they know they have used it, they want it. In this case, it's a bit forced. And it's a challenge. And it's showing exactly what's happening in the world is everything about around digital and the robots and, mm. and data. It's critical. It's critical and means uh, a dialoguing with the public has never been as important as today. Okay, you almost need a, a major PR exercise around digitalization, don't you? Okay. Yeah. Um, it will go so quick, you know, that's the point. If you look just to compare at the first or the second revolution long time ago, it, needs, it needed about two to three generations of so 50 to 70 years mm -hmm. to replace the 20 person jobs, you know, so the people had time. They were still having the same jobs and their kids were having a new job. Yeah. Right now, it's within 10 years. So everything goes extremely quick and it's not easy for everyone. No, it's, it's not indeed. Everyone has to keep up with the pace. Um, I'd like to move on. Um, 
I've asked this question uh, to a veteran in the telecommunications business, and he believes organizations haven't really started to think about this to the degree necessary. They should, but at the moment they are sort of prioritizing and surviving and not thinking too heavily on this. COVID-19 will have lasting effects. What are some of the unexpected collaborations, relationships or partnerships you are seeing forged as a result? And you just mentioned that you recently have one now with ICT. Um, or you believe should be considered between, for example, two sectors, organizations that are delivering complementary services and goods as a result of this pandemic, all in the digital space, of course. I mean, for me, it's clear the future belongs alliances and public-private partnerships. Mm -hmm. I believe because digital is bringing everything together. You know, there is no clear industry. You don't know who is your next competitor. It's not your competitor of today. The next one is going to be a tech company, a startup, a corporate, mm -hmm. who doesn't know so much about the industry, but he's coming from the tech technology um, edge, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. And anywhere in the globe. So you'd rather be extremely innovative and be very open-minded for alliances in order to protect or even to grow your market. So I really believe uh, people should really think and work open-minded, change their minds and look for new opportunities. That's the way to go. And again here, there will be the winners, the one looking for this kind of alliances and there will be the losers, the one who believe they don't have to change anything. So the, the world, the business, and many industries, um, they will be transformed in the next five years, it's pretty sure. Right, okay. Um, I'm gonna move on again. Um, I like this question, I'm gonna ask it just straight. Um, as mentioned in the introduction, Digital Switzerland, together with Bilanz and Handel's Item, published the 2020 100 Digital Shapers. It is an impressive list, and um, we will have a link to the list for my listeners in the episode description. Okay, my question is to you. How do you go about establishing who is a digital shaper within the year of assessment? What is the process? What are you looking for? Sure, so first we have, of course, a kind of database of about 500 people you know, renewing every year. Then we do an appeal on social media to add some new people we might not know. At the end of the day, every year, we got about seven to 800 names in the country of truly um, digital innovative people According to different categories, we like to change the categories every year in order to have a, a good uh, quote of new people every year. Mm -hmm. Then there is a jury of 12 people and altogether we have an assessment process uh, for a few weeks and we define, uh, we always have 10 categories, which means 10 times 10 and we define the 10 shapers of each category. Um, we also like um, to see if there is a good split over the country. Mm -hmm. Diversity is extremely important over the country. First of all, second of all, diversity, male, female, very important too, of course. And the third one, young and or other uh, more experienced people. So that's about a process. And at the end of the day, why do we do such a digital shaper magazine or page and campaign? It's all about inspiring people. At the end of the day, of course, the 100 shapers, they have a recognition, but we also want to inspire all of the people out there to see, oh, I know him, or I knew him, or whatever, and maybe I'll be next on the list, or that's amazing what he's done. It's all about creating, you know, a movement and, mm -hmm. and having 
new digital shapers in the next few years. Mm -hmm. So, so competition is good, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Let, let's change it up a little. Um, let's briefly talk about roles in this digital era. Um, you need data to become an intelligent digital enterprise. Um, I recently had a discussion with a, a CDO, a chief data officer, about this very thing uh, in one of the episodes of Head's Talk. You can't really do one without the other. He provided my listeners with um, forensic information about how his role has morphed over the years with the advent of digital transformation and the digital economy. Um, he had this role in many blue chip corporations to include O2, British American Tobacco Company and Aon to name a few. My question to you is how pivotal is the role of the CDO, the chief data officer in today's digital climate? I'm assuming like never before they play a role which is now on par with the CFO, for example. Um, how has that changed the dynamics in the, uh, on the executive table? And my second part to this question is how do you distinguish this role with the other acronym, CDO, Chief Digital Officer. Now more than ever, both CDOs need to be at the forefront in the driving seat of transformation and, and turning one's organization into a, a data-driven digital business. What are your thoughts on this? So yeah, very good question. I wanted to tell you CDO is for both on data and digital. Yeah. So now, and there will be different models in the future. In any case, both roles uh, will be more important. Mm. But I would like to say first, um, it's too easy and it's not enough as a company to design one or two CDOs and delegate the work. It starts on the board level. It starts with the chairman. Very, very important. They need to understand it's all about data. It's all about digital. If you don't have it on the broad level, I believe you're among the losers. Mm. And the same on the CEO level, on the management level, if data and digital are not part of pretty much every management meeting, you have an issue. So if you have it on the map, that's the first point. And then, yes, okay, you may need both CDOs. I believe digital is more for the transformation part, and so really looking at, at new structure, new technologies, AI, uh, blockchain, decentralized structure, and transforming hardware, software, bringing everything together, breaking the silos, the chief digital officer, is mainly breaking the silos in a mm. company uh, and transforming the business in a hybrid way. The data guy is, is also very, very important. I believe it might be two roles. Maybe in the future it's the same one, depending on the company size too. Mm. The data guy, I believe he has two roles mainly. The first one is using the data. You will be quite surprised. I'm always surprised to see how many companies have so many data, but they just don't use them. They don't analyze them. They cannot learn from data. It's quite surprising. Of course, when you're a huge corporate, it's not easy, but still you really have to do it. <clears throat> and the second role of the chief data is to make sure there is a data ethic. You don't want uh, to screw up your customer somewhere. You don't want to sell your data further. You yeah. want to make sure, okay, we might analyze the data on anonymous, on aggregated way. We might want to learn from the data. We might, we might want to improve the user experience. We might want to improve the product innovation, of course, but we always have to make sure we would do it in an ethical way. And I believe they are the two major and very important roles of the chief data officer. So I'm looking forward to seeing the next two, three years, which company today, I don't see so many of them mm -hmm. having both both 
roles under upper management. And how the structures have changed, especially at the executive table level, which is, um, would be interesting to see that. Um, with my next question, I'm hoping you can provide my listeners with some insightful information and um, potential organizations, startups even, that they should look out for in this space. It's, it's one of my favorite questions to ask in this period, as I'm always curious about what next. Okay. Um, what are you noticing as new developments and innovations, whether it is as a result of COVID-19 or not? What are you excited about? Um, what innovations should we take note of and in which tech space? It's a good question. I believe in the future there will be more um, pure tech companies disrupting current existing industries we cannot figure out today. Mm -hmm. um, I believe the decentralized industry, so the blockchain 2.0 industry will be more important for sure. Um, the third one is everything around the buzzword AI. AI is a bit of data. So it's everything around data it will disrupt the, the business for sure. And, and, and are not disrupt, maybe also help. Mm -hmm. The corporate doing it will win and they will grow and the other will lose market shares. So there, there, that's the, the third point. And the fourth point, I believe, hardware, software will get closer. In the past decade, there were many companies, you know, developing hardware, mm -hmm. some of them developing software, I believe in the future, the one doing both will be the winners. Uh, and the same for our hub. We, we believe in Switzerland, we are maybe not the best one in pure software, you know, pure marketplace, um, but we are very good in hardware, in advanced manufacturing. And we aim um, to become a hub for both, you know, fusioning somewhere the hardware and the software together and developing very new and um, innovative products around it, our new services. So there will be a lot happening in the next years. Mm -hmm. 11, 12 years ago, no one could have imagined the iPhone will appear. No, it's yes. part of yes. our life. Uh, let's look in 10 years. Some people might think it's the same as today. I don't believe it. So in 10 years, there will be major new innovations around, for example, these examples, mm -hmm. um, decentralized structure, AI, and hardware <clears throat> software. Don't, don't you think it'd be sooner than 10 years? No, I believe, um, you know, <clears throat> there are waves and so, so, sometimes it's, it's like accelerating, sometimes it's slowing up. Yeah. Usually after a crisis like the one we, we have right now, which might take some more months, yeah. innovation will speed up. So at least in the next two to five years, innovation will speed up um, and consumers are ready. Um, not everyone, but many consumers are ready to adopt okay. um, new innovation. So I believe in the next two to five years will be very interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's end on uh, an award you received. I mentioned it in the introduction that you received the Swiss Business Angel of the Year Award. Firstly, congratulations on this award. Um, you've been described as the new type of business angel. For my listeners, what does that mean? Um, can you elaborate on that? Thank you. Yeah, sure. I mean, new type is maybe a buzzword, but I mean, for me, a business angel is, you know, at the end of the day, you are sparring partner. It's not only about uh, bashing on the founders and why your KPIs are not good enough, et cetera, and putting them under pressure is still maybe part of the job. But I believe it's more about being a sparring partner, being creative, innovative, uh, open-minded, and really helping the founders. Like 
almost the next co-founder. So that's my belief, mm -hmm. how um, a successful business angel should operate uh, with the startups, the founders he's invested uh, in the company. Um, and it's really being very close, opening new opening you know new opening doors, of course, and bringing new ideas. Um, and in my case, since I'm, I'm very close from the business, I'm only investing in companies. I really understand the business, and I believe I can help them with my know-how. That's for me the new kind of business angels, you know, mm -hmm. being extremely close, not passive, and helping at any time, doing the extra mile um, as a sparring partner. Mm -hmm. All right, so it's not just being a silent partner, a silent financial partner, but actually working along with them to Absolutely. help them through it. So, so should we look out for you winning the 2021 Business Angel of the Year Award? No, I can be only once, I believe. <laughs> All right. Nevertheless, congratulations on the one that you have received. So, um, Nicholas Bura, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much, Elaine, for interviewing. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.